Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and to get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about autism stories. When I was younger in high school and had to read poetry in English class, I really didn't like it. In many cases, just trying to figure out what the words meant were frustrating to me. However, as I've gotten older and um, beyond college, I started watching a show on HBO called Russell Simmons' Deaf Comedy Jam. I don't know why I started watching it, but um, it was a show that exclusively featured poets, and I couldn't stop watching. In recent years, I think I know why poetry has spoken to me as I've gotten older. I like things that are concise. Too much information is overwhelming to me, and poetry is a is a great way to share ideas and discuss really important things without using as many words as other forms of literature. So I'm excited to talk today with Amanda Haranoff as she discusses the importance of poetry in her life and she will also talk about the intersection of being legally blind and being autistic. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? Yeah, great question. My story in the autistic community begins in 2016, San Francisco Autism Center. My sister, who's actually studying right now to be a therapist, believed that there was something that was a little off. We had gone to college together and she, you know, noticed a couple of my behaviors. So when I returned home, it was something that just kept coming up for her. And she found one of the diagnostic tests online for those with autism. And she suggested that I take it. And I guess I scored pretty high in the autistic range. So that kind of green-lighted my parents to do a bit of research, and that's how I ended up getting officially tested. It was confirmed that I was on the autism spectrum, which made a lot of sense for me, actually. I was 26 at the time, and, you know, that's really late. You know that women get diagnosed a little bit later than men, but that was extremely late. When you're thinking about girls, you're thinking about at least, like, 9, 10, 11, and here I am, 26, you know, had done college and things like that. And I was like, autism? (laughs) What? (laughs) So that's this really where my story with autism begins. And my love for poetry really coming into that awareness, because I didn't know what to do with the idea of being autistic. There was a period of time where I didn't want to be autistic. I am biracial. So in both of 
the communities that I belong to, you know, for African Americans, it's, you know, it can be really difficult. And, you know, in in East Indian culture, it's another thing that's kind of shoved to the side because they're dealing with perfection. So that's kind of like my dad's side of the family and trying to like assimilate with perfection and things like that. So I, (laughs) I got really, really lucky to, you know, be able to dance with those two wonderful cultures and also be autistic because I really feel like there's such beauty and love and joy in being autistic and also, you know, getting to represent two wonderful cultures. Now, you mentioned your love of poetry. Poetry or any type of writing, I feel there's a very therapeutic element to it. What's it about poetry that you've connected with as compared to other forms of writing? Um, I think as a student, as I mentioned earlier, I did some time at university and everything was really structured and regimented. You have to write it this way. You need to have an outline. You need to have your thesis. You need to have your three main points and it all needs to flow together. I'm like, what? And I'm really, really struggling. But I think with poetry, it didn't call for any of those things. It called for me to get out of my own way, my heart to open up and to let my heart do the talking and more importantly, the writing, and to be able to go ahead and explore topics that I was comfortable with. I've interviewed other poets previously here on Autism Stories, and one poet in particular comes to mind, Joshua Corwin, who happens to also be in California. He read some of his poems on Autism Stories, and then we discussed them afterwards. I was wondering if you could read your poem, Should I Have Told You, for our listeners. Ooh, man. (laughs) Absolutely. I never thought I would actually get the opportunity to do it because just a little bit of background should I have told you that was actually the very first poem that I wrote. So I was diagnosed back in April and started writing in, I want to say June, I believe June 14th was the first day that I had written my first spontaneous poem. And it was should I have told you. Now, this poem, I got to tell you, There are two versions of it. You've got one that was written for my fiancé and the other one written to my crush. Whoops! So what do you do? You have to write two versions of it because that's just how it goes. But yes, absolutely. I would love to read it for you. I haven't uh, looked at it in quite a couple of years, so it's going to be fun. To your listeners, I present, should I have told you? Should I have told you? Should I have told you? It's out there. It's open. It's free. Should I have told you? But I was just being me. Should I have told you? Look at what it's done. Will it destroy everything we've become? Should I have told you? I can't decide. Should I have told you? There's so many things I want to hide. Silly me for thinking that I can tell one, but not the other. I know you're so fragile. You're so delicate. I've always known those things. Should I have told you? I think it was my big mistake. Should I have told you about it at all? I wanted to be honest with you because you mean the world to me. Should I have told you? And now that I've told you, 
how do you feel? You keep on a mask. So I can never tell. Should I have told you? I created a mess. I tried my best to keep it at rest. I'm left with one question now. Should I have told you? I like someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really hard. It was one of those very dramatic mornings, you know, just getting ready for work and you start to cry and you come up with these words that come flooding back. Should I have told you? Should I have been completely honest with you? It gives birth to poetry, but it also gives birth to grief and sadness and loss and love and anxiety and fear and lust and all of those things that you experience as a, a poet and a writer and somebody who's so human. But for somebody who's on newly on the autism spectrum, you don't know what you're going to do. You know, I think that poem's a, a really good example of open and honest communication. And all the questions we might ask ourselves after we've maybe communicated something that might not be so easy to do. How do you think poetry helps you to process your feelings about those types of interactions? Yeah, I think it helps in a way that allows you to be completely honest because it's just you, a pen or whatever you choose to use. In my case, I used a phone when I wrote Should I Have Told You, but a pen and paper and you are challenged to be with grace in being honest, completely honest with how you feel. And if that means you shed some tears, then you shed some tears. If that means that you scream it all out, then you scream it all out. You're called outside of yourself when you write poetry and asked to look at what is in front of you. And that's definitely what I did with Should I Have Told You. It sounded like a big mess, but I tried to be nothing but gentle, even though it doesn't necessarily sound like it. Another poem that you've written that I was really interested in is called I Am Proud to Be. Can you read that as well? Yeah. A little bit of a lighter tone. <laughs> this one is fun. Proud to be. I'm proud to be unique. I'm proud to be beautiful. I'm proud to be kind. I'm proud to be intelligent. Proud to be creative. I'm proud to be funny. Proud to be honest. I'm proud to be clever. I'm proud to be hydrocephalic. Proud to be legally blind. Proud to be autistic. And, oh yeah, I'm proud to be me. Now, you mentioned being hydrocephalic. I haven't talked with anyone here on Autism Stories that's also hydrocephalic. So maybe for our listeners that might not be familiar with that, what, what exactly is that? Sure. So hydrocephalic is, that's a person who, who suffers from hydrocephalus. So hydrocephalus is water on the brain and accumulation of fluid. And essentially, your, our cerebral spinal fluid is cushioning the brain and it's basically encasing it or drowning the brain rather in this fluid and what doctors do for it is they implant what is known as a shunt 
so the shunt is the body's filtering system to divert the fluid away from the brain and filter it out to another part of the body so it can drain properly. Yeah, it's been quite a battle with that condition as well. I've had quite a few brain surgeries with that. It's like 17 or something like that. So spent most of my childhood in hospitals and in things of that nature. And so things such as sports, even when I was feeling better, really weren't an option for me because if, you know, you get hit in the head, it can disturb the shunt or, you know, if you accidentally get knocked over, that can disturb it. And I was raised with parents, you know, who took, and an older sister who took, you know, very good care of me to make sure I got the best care possible. However, I got to experience things such as bike riding, which my doctors never thought I would be able to do or, you know, take, you know, different trips here and there around the world. So you spend time praying that your child is going to be okay, usually when they have this condition. But if you are in good hands, it turns out to be okay. and You end up okay and feeling all right eventually. How is that affecting you present day? Present day, I had my last revision when I was like 17. So that was in 2007. The research has shown as you age, the hydrocephalus, depending on your severity, tends to taper off. So I'll have like, you know, the occasional headaches and everything, but I think that's just from everyday life. I don't think it's really, really affected me in a way that has compromised my life. Again, I'm with the Special Olympics and I choose not to play contact sports such as soccer or flag football. I choose to play more individual sports such as bocce ball and track and field and things like that where you're not necessarily making contact with your other team members. It's affected me in a way that has kept me loving life but cautious as well. Well, I'm a a long distance runner, so I'm curious about the track and field. What events do you participate in? Do you have a favorite uh, track event? Yeah, so I actually just started doing track and field, and I actually ended up doing it this summer. So I did, I ended up doing like a half mile, so that was fun. That made me extremely tired (laughs) because it was my first time doing it. And I, my first time that I clocked in at was like, I I think it was like eight minutes and 40 seconds. And I said, no, I said, I don't like that. They're talking about they're giving away like special medals this time since we're all practicing at home, and I want one of those medals. (laughs) So I, worked at it to get my time down to five minutes and 40 seconds. And when I came inside, I was tired. I I was sweating. My heart was racing, but I had been training for about two months prior to that. I believe we started in May and I started, you know, a couple months prior to that, just training for it, doing that. I love hearing that. I think running can be a really, really great sport for a lot of autistic folks. That's why it's so freeing and the the wind in your hair and just, you know, it feels like you're flying, essentially. It's fun. I hope when we get back into practice here in California that I'm able to actually run in person. Hmm. We'll see. Now, getting back to your poem, I, I Am Proud to Be, you mentioned being proud to be autistic. So... I'm wondering, since learning you were autistic, how has autistic pride impacted your life? Oh my goodness. I have had so much fun, you know, just experiencing what it is to be autistic. And I definitely think that the Special Olympics, they've definitely been another catalyst for me to go ahead and just share my work and go to, you know, various events, even though they've been virtual. So it's been a lot of fun. 
I was featured earlier this year for um, Autism Month in April on PBS. That was fun. I didn't think it was going to happen that quickly. I love being autistic. I didn't necessarily love it when I first started writing because it, it was difficult to come to terms with. But I just said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to embrace being autistic and I'm going to embrace being different, but also loving the things about me that are so different. Now, beyond the two poems that you've read for us, you have a book of poems out called Legally Blind. How, yeah. how would you say being legally blind and autistic intersect in your life? <sighs> yeah, <laughs> it, wow, it can be difficult. It can be a challenge. But again, you find moments of joy. When I was in college, I got my first traveler's cane. And as I was being trained to venture out in Oakland as a vision impaired person, it felt freeing, actually. I think it was really just that idea of embracing the new normal. So this new normal is that you're going to be traveling around with a traveler's cane. So you don't have to constantly go ahead and hold somebody's hand or you don't have to necessarily go ahead and be dependent on somebody. You can be independent and still live your life. And I feel that for somebody who is autistic, it's kind of the same. It's the same thing. It's the same feel. It really just depends on who it is that supports you. It's, It's all about loving these conditions and nurturing these conditions in a way that is going to call you forward and going to call you into a place and a space that propels you forward. And uh, how can our listeners purchase your book, Legally Blind? Yeah, so as of right now, they are in the process of actually being rebranded. So as of right now, I am working on getting those getting those pieces rebranded, but definitely on my website, there's like definitely like plenty of interviews and things that I do. I love doing poetry and I'm very, very spontaneous when I do it. So there's no shortage of me not doing poetry, even though the book is being rebranded right now. The best way to say is you never know where I'm going to pop up next. And that's just, that's just the best way to say it. Like you never know where I'm going to pop up next. I'm always doing poetry, always giving inspirational talks, I like to talk, as you can probably tell. Something else other than being a poet is that you are a disability empowerment coach. How how would you describe what a disability empowerment coach does for those that um, aren't familiar? Sure. So a disability empowerment coach empowers clients with disabilities. And I've had a lot of fun doing this work and, you know, I continue to do it. I spend my time with a lot of parents who have newly diagnosed kids. And a lot of parents come to me and say, you know, Coach Amanda, I'm really struggling because I heard about autism before. I've heard about this disability or I've heard about that disability. And I've seen videos on YouTube and it doesn't appear that that kid or you know that child is going to be okay and I I go ahead and say you know 
everybody's journey is different. It doesn't matter if it's just autism. It doesn't matter if it's hydrocephalus. It doesn't matter if it's vision impairment. It doesn't matter what it is that everybody's journey is different. And I think that goes, you know, across the span for, for several conditions, just because somebody has autism, my autism could be different from your autism, just because somebody is vision impaired, somebody can be vision impaired, and then somebody can have, you know, total sight loss, but it, it really, it's a mind shift, complete like shift in the atmosphere. How are you going to deal with your disability? And that's one of the things that I really go ahead and spend my time with the parents and the clients basically asking, how are you going to view your disability? Are you going to view it as something awful? Or are you going to view it as a ray of sunshine and view it as something to go ahead and empower the world? Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, yeah. Amanda, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Amanda for the conversation. To learn more about Amanda, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. It was great to hear Amanda talk about poetry as a mode of communication that works for her. With Autism Personal Coach, so often um, we're helping our clients to communicate in a way that best works for them. So if you'd be interested in reducing your frustrations, getting the things you want through communication, then book a call with me today. A link can be found in the podcast description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories. And if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be so greatly appreciated. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will have a first on Autism Stories, and that is a conversation with an autistic pro wrestler. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.